Welcome to Season 2 of the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas, and uh, this season we're going to focus on um, probability and other kinds of related uh, biases that uh, affect our decision-making. So right out of the gate, we're going to start with one called the ambiguity effect, and I like to call this the, the W-no bias. Um, and it shows up in things like how people will choose a fixed rate mortgage over a variable rate mortgage, even though, you know, statistically speaking or over time, like variable rates almost always save people money. You tend to go with the fixed rate one because you know what to expect, right? And that's a really important thing. Whereas with the variable rate, it's right there in the name. It's variable, right? I don't know exactly what to expect. So I don't like that. I don't want to make that kind of a decision. There's another famous experiment where you sort of have a, uh, a bin and it has uh, 30 balls in it, 10 of them are red, the rest are either black or white, but you have no idea how many are black and how many are white. Um, it could easily be one black and another 19 white or vice versa, or it could just be 50-50. You have no way of knowing, right? And every time you draw, there's two games. One game is every time you draw a red ball, you get 20 bucks, awesome, that's what you do. Another game, anytime you draw a black ball, you get 20 bucks, right? And which game would you rather play? Now, most people pick the one where you pull out the red balls because they know, look, I know there are 10 red balls in here. I know exactly one in three of these balls is going to be uh, pick for red. I'll make 20 bucks versus this other game. I don't really know. Now, if you know anything about probability, um, this is a pretty early problem you get when you take probability, and I did, and I was horrible at it, but uh, it's the same odds, right? Picking a red ball or a black ball under those circumstances, or a white ball, it's all one in three, no matter what. So most people don't know that, or at least it doesn't feel like that's the truth. It just intuitively doesn't make sense. So people will go with the red ball game because it just feels like better odds, whereas the ambiguity, right, is around the one, well, I don't know how many white or black balls are in there, so how could I possibly know what the odds are? Um, and ambiguity is just missing information, right? And we like to avoid missing information. That's just a, a, a heuristic we have, like a, a, just a way we, we go about life. It's easier. It's a lower cognitive load to just deal with stuff that I know, right? Even in things like URLs, they've done studies where people don't like those URL shorteners. They prefer to like click on URLs that are really long because they're really descriptive. Like, and when I say long URLs, I mean URLs that aren't nonsense, but actually have words in them versus like a shortener, which is like, you know, bit.ly slash XYZ, whatever. Uh, people prefer the ones that I kind of know what I'm what I'm getting when I click on this. Um, so the ambiguity effect was described by the economist Daniel Ellsberg in 1961. And in case you're wondering, yes, that Daniel Ellsberg would later go on to reveal the Pentagon Papers and become a social activist. But before all that, he was an economist at Harvard, and he described you know one of the earliest kind of behavioral economics things, which is this ambiguity effect. And there's even something called the Ellsberg paradox, right? And it's uh, demonstrated by this notion of a singing competition, right? So let's say you live in one town, and there's a singing competition, and you know roughly like how good a singer you are and how good a singer most of the other people in the town are. Now, there's also going to be a competition in the town next over, you know, next door, but you don't know anything about that town. You don't know. They could all be great singers. They could all be terrible singers, right? But you don't know, so you decide to just do the competition in your town, right? Even if maybe you think there are lower odds um, or you think it's going to be tough, you do that because you don't know. So truth is, it could be way easier to win the competition in the town next door, but you don't do it. That's the paradox. You don't do the thing that could actually be better for you um, because you just don't know. The uncertainty is enough to keep you away, right? Um, rather than even trying to figure out, well, what are the odds, right? Um, 
And again, it's that perceived certainty, right? I perceive that it's more certain what's going to happen in my town versus the town next door. And this is impact for all sorts of things like, you know, business decisions or like design thinking. I'm in the business of trying to convince people to go into a room and brainstorm ideas that they don't know if those ideas will work. They don't know like what, you know, I have, and when I sit people down for a design exercise, often we don't know what the outcome of that exercise is going to be. It's kind of the point, right? It's kind of the point to generate new ideas. But the scary thing about new ideas is the new part, right? It's the ambiguity. I don't know what that idea is like versus our current business practice or the way we currently do things. I know what that is. Even if it sucks, I know what it is. And so I feel more comfortable. Um, also, if you look at the way like movie scripts are selected, right? Whenever there's a trend, Hollywood likes to just keep going with that trend, right? I know what a comic book movie is. I know how much I can expect to make off of it. I'm just going to keep doing those. You're bringing me this drama. I don't really know what it's about. It's kind of new. It's kind of different. And ironically, that new and different is usually a good bet because when it comes to art, people actually do like a little bit of ambiguity, right? They actually do like a little bit of um, surprise, right? It's this weird mix of the familiar and the new. Um, but when you're, you know, laying down $200 million for a movie, you tend to want to go with certainty or at least perceived certainty, right? It also has to do with trust, right? Like when the more we trust someone or the more we trust a business, the more we trust, you know, our knowledge about thing, the more ambiguity we're comfortable with, right? So if I say, hey, you know, I'm going to take you to this restaurant, you've never been there before. If you know me and you know that in the past I've delivered and like, helped you find amazing meals, you'll be like, okay with that versus, um, you know what? I'd rather just go to the restaurant we always go to, right? If, if you don't trust my ability to pick good restaurants. Um, and this is kind of why like user reviews are so popular. Like when people are, you know, researching pro products to buy or whatever, like that notion of certainty, right? That I, I know more about this thing. I want to reduce as much ambiguity as possible about what it's going to be like to own this thing. So I'm going to look up as many reviews as I can find or as many reviews as I think I need to make that decision. Um, and it's related to another bias, which we may get into later called the clustering illusion. Um, and the clustering illusion is basically this notion of I'll see patterns even if there aren't patterns to see, right? So if a basketball player has a hot streak, right, it's this notion that, oh, they just made their last X number of baskets, you know, they're on a hot streak, when in fact, statistically, they're not making any more or fewer baskets than they normally do. It's just these happen to be in a row. Um, but we want to we want to feel like we know what's going on. And so we'll attribute some kind of pattern to that and say, okay, this is what's happening. I predict, right, I feel comfortable predicting they're going to make their next basket because they made their last three, even though that has nothing to do with it. Um, now, one of the interesting things about this is that I feel like, you know, based on my design experience, that it isn't necessarily even just about ambiguity in general, but which ambiguity. So, uh, and I'll explain what I mean by that. So Netflix um, did this experiment where they wanted to know what people wanted to know <laughs> before they bought Netflix. Um, did they want to know, you know, what uh, movies were available, what TV shows were available? Like, what did they want to know? And that was actually the specific question was, do people want to know all of the movies and all the TV shows that they could possibly get on Netflix before they decide, yes, I want to join and subscribe to Netflix? So they asked people, they did a survey and said, hey, you know, you who've never bought Netflix before, would you want to know all the possible, you know, movies? And I think something like, 40, 50, like a pretty high percentage said yes. Okay. But then they decided, you know what, let's actually test that. So they created two versions of their homepage um, for people who weren't users, who hadn't logged in. And one version had like all the movies, like click here to see all the movies, all the TV shows, and then another version that didn't have that. And the version that didn't have that performed better, it converted better than the one with all of the information. 
Um, and so in that case, there was a certain degree of ambiguity that buyers or potential buyers were comfortable with. But what they didn't want to ambiguity around, this is what they found out through the research, is they wanted to know before they made their buying decision um, what devices you know, uh, Netflix was available on. That was actually the ambiguity that they weren't comfortable with. So if they knew that, then they sort of had faith that there was enough good content otherwise, right? They didn't need to read the whole catalog. So it isn't just about ambiguity, but it's about what what are we comfortable having ambiguity about versus what are we not having comfortable ambiguity about? So when you're thinking about building products, creating products, whatever it is, like do the research to find out what people want to know so that when you are, so, so that you're clearing up the correct ambiguity, I guess. Um, Anyway, uh, that's uh, all for uh, this edition. Really excited to start a brand new season with y'all. And uh, for the Cognitive Bias Podcast, I'm your host, David Dolan Thomas, and we will see you next time.